and welcome to Dead Disagree, your weekly episode of podcast where we, a couple of regular folks, just hanging out, figuring out the world, tell you guys exactly what the fuck you guys are doing wrong with your lives. I'll be your host, Jonathan Nestor out of California. And this is Low in the Dark, still not retiring. <laughs> not yet, and that's going to be the entire crew. Now, for those that know the show, we mostly go political or, you know, we talk about ideology and stuff like that. Today, we're just going to talk about fighting. So if you're not into MMA or fighting, you can take a pause for like 15, 30 minutes, come back in, we'll be ready for you. But right now, we need to talk about Conor McGregor. (laughs) For those who don't know, Conor McGregor is an outlandish, over-the-top Irish fighter that burst onto the scene about two, three years ago and just started devastating people physically, but more importantly, verbally. Just murdering the whole game verbally. You know, this guy who's known to have said such classics as while he had his foot up in Brazil being booed by the whole crowd, he would say, your people love me more than they love you. If this was olden times, I'd be riding through your streets and your favelas on horseback. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I mean. Just, just an amazing body of trash talk. I'll, I'll actually look up a couple of more, uh, a couple of them for you guys and pepper them through the whole show. But I feel like you have a very specific opinion about him recently because he decided he was going to retire, then unretire. What, what, what's yeah. the deal? What's the deal? Well, uh, and he he posted this big ass uh, reply, uh, you know, saying I'm paid to fight. Not to promote, really, just to start. Let's start right there, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if he he read his contract before he signed it, or if he had a lawyer overlook or anything like that. He is definitely paid to promote. <laughs> That's a, a huge part of his contract. And you know, if he doesn't like that, well, maybe you shouldn't have signed that. <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. maybe you should have asked, "Hey, take this off. I don't want to do any promotions." And I'll, I'll just come in and fight and leave, and then you guys don't call me until the next fight's ready. The reason he did it is, of course, he would have gotten nowhere if he really did that. You could be the biggest ass kicker in the world. If nobody's showing up to watch your fight, you're not going to get paid for it. Doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Legends have had to do promotions. Muhammad Ali, fucking Mike Tyson, incredible fighters had to do their promotions. They did it. If Mr. McGregor here didn't want to do them, well, don't don't agree to them. You know, that's why, why did you agree to it in the first place? Uh, another thing that kind of bothered me about that is, you know, when people have said, hey, you know, maybe you should cool down the language to that. He's insulted them like they didn't know what they were talking about. This is the fight game. This is what we have to do. Blah, blah, blah. Well, what happened to that right now, Connor? <laughs> now, all of a sudden, you're not paid to remote. You just want to fight. You, you've been like the, the poster child for promoting fights this whole time, which he's done an incredible job. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. He, he has done fucking great at it. But now at the fucking 11th hour, suspiciously, after one serious fucking ass beating, all of a sudden he doesn't want to promote anymore. And I'll refer back to a, a great fighter who said when one of his, when his, one of his opponents skipped out halfway through a fucking uh, promotional event, he said that that fighter was a coward and was just scared to fight him, so he's just running to get away. 
That's what he said about that guy running away from the fucking promotional event halfway through, okay? And I, I agree with the, this guy. He, he was right. That guy should have stuck it out for the entire promotional event. This is part of his fucking job. The other fighter had to sit there and do the whole thing. Why does this guy get to skip out? Uh, just so everybody knows, those two fighters, the one that skipped out early was Aldo, the fighter bitching about the other fighter skipping out early and calling him a coward and saying he's running away was Conor McGregor. <laughs> mm. Insulting this guy, calling him a coward, saying he's a fucking bitch for running out of a promotional event. Now here's another promotional event with a fighter that beat Conor McGregor's ass and all of a sudden he doesn't want to show up for it. Are, are we going to run by the same standard you said, Connor, that you're running away from him? That's that's ridiculous to me. So really what all this seems like is Connor fucking pulled a bluff and got called on. And uh, Charles Sonnen actually said something about that. He's like, man, these guys are freaking gamblers. <laughs> these are serious gamblers who are people who are running the UFC. They've proven that by gambling on the UFC in the first place. Don't fucking bluff them like this. They will call you. Don't bluff you unless you're ready to fucking do it. Obviously, Conor McGregor's not going to fucking quit. Yeah. Yeah. The UFC stands to lose a serious amount. I mean, they, they estimated it probably be a $40 million loss if they don't take uh, McGregor on this fight. Yeah. Which is a huge hit. That, that's not small-time money to them. It's not like these motherfuckers are uh, GE or fucking Apple or something where a $40 million hit means nothing to them. That, that's a good hit. But in my opinion, and it seems like in their opinion, they are more than willing to take that hit before letting a fucking fighter walk all over them. Because every top-ranked fighter ever will start doing that now. Yep. It's literally... The key here is... Yes, you know, Dana White takes a huge loss. Huge loss if he does this. But he doesn't set the precedent that allows all his top fighters to suddenly feel like they can just straight up hijack the promotion mid-tour for a, or mid-presser for a fight and just steer it any direction they feel like because they're the big money star. Yeah. And he said it before. He said it before. He's like, they always say, you know, when, when he says when Chuck Liddell went down, they said, what are you going to do with your company anymore? You lost your biggest star. When Tito Ortiz went down, they said, what are you going to do with your company? You lost your biggest star. When Anderson Silva went down, what are you going to do? He's like, there is always another big star. That's oh, what yeah. they don't seem to understand. There is, granted, it hurts in the moment. Absolutely. But there is always, you know, when Ronda came on the scene, we they thought the component was bust. They thought Ronda was just a wild gamble. We had no idea what we we're doing. She became our biggest selling star. And then they thought the men's division was bust because nobody could retain the title for more than two, three fights or stay uninjured. And then Conor McGregor shows up. It's like they're, they're always the next star is right there all the time. Yeah, exactly. And it, that's just how it's going to be. You know, right yeah. now, if the UFC backed down and gave Conor whatever he wanted because he's going to threaten to retire, they're letting a fucking dime hold up a dollar. Yeah, yeah. it's going to hurt them right now. They don't want to lose that money. They want fucking uh, McGregor to fight. And don't, I don't, don't think I'm some Conor McGregor hater. I think he's an incredible fucking fighter. I think he's done amazing fucking work, and I think he's really unique in that. I don't think he's the last fighter ever that's going to be incredible in the UFC. He, he, if to me, you know, this is just coming honestly, he seems like I think he's got another maybe three, four years before we're going to be moving on to the next fighter. Yeah, yeah. And I think that loss really took a lot of the steam out of his fucking sales that he had in the first place. 
You know, instead of him, you know, before he was chanting about, man, I'll fucking whoop anybody's ass in any division. I'll give a shit, you know, kind of like yep. Charles Sutton back in the day. Okay. Just like Charles Sutton, when he looked like he was about to get raped by Anderson Silva, which he fucking practically <laughs> did, he was practically he gone, you know? He did. And another issue for me is he came out with that little statement pretending like, you know, you guys are taking away time from my fight training. I'm just nonstop fight training to get ready for my fight, and you guys are taking this time away from me. Uh, I'm sorry, Connor. I have a hard time believing that you are spending 100% of your waking hours fight training when there's pictures of you on the internet snorting coke and fucking hanging out with hookers. Why didn't you use that time to train your fighting so you had time to go to the promotional event? Now, Duke, if I'm a fucking multimillionaire at his age, it, you guys are probably going to find me snoking, snorting coke and hanging out with hookers. But I'm also going to show up for my fucking promotional events to make the next fucking several million. Okay, so I'm yeah. not talking shit to him about that. I think it's ridiculous that we don't assume that's what these guys are doing. You know, he he, he doesn't seem stupid to me for doing it. He just got caught. Okay. I, yeah. I would find me the he fighter you think is not way doing that. Too hard. Yeah. Gambled yeah. way too hard. Yeah. So that's my point. He fucking called a bluff. He got called on it. And now he's whining like, you know, this whole thing fucking was anybody's fault but his own. And as much as I don't like Dana White. Okay, I haven't liked him since he gave freaking Brock Lesnar a title fight after what? Three fights? Yeah. Five fights? Three fights. Three fights? And one was a re- rematch yeah. against someone that wasn't even a contender, really. Exactly. That that's that was embarrassing to me and embarrassing to the UFC. Not saying that I don't think Brock Lesnar would eventually earn his fucking place. You don't get it in fucking three fights. That's that's yeah. that's embarrassing to the sport. Okay, you can be a fucking master kung fu fucking martial arts. You don't get to try out for your black belt in any fucking thing until you've spent your time in and earned the right to go try out for it. You don't get to go try out for a fucking title or go do a title fight until you put your time in. Brock Lesnar certainly fucking did it. Okay, not saying he wasn't an incredible fighter. He did great. I think really he kind of got overhyped because he came in right at a time when the best fighters were kind of on retiring. And moving out, yeah, you know, you're not not only are you not at your peak when you're that age, but you're also don't get. I'm not going to go in here and get my fucking brains busted out and fucking die trying to win this fight. But I'm retiring in a week by this big gorilla yeah. of a man who who's who's really going to put all their heart into it. You know, I would have loved to see a Brock Lesnar fight with Randy Couture when he was fucking in his prime. Okay. Yeah, yeah that that would have been great. Yeah. Heck, Tito Ortiz in his prime would have given Brock Lesnar a run for his money because those guys could do the one thing Brock Lesnar never could and could wrestle, which is take a punch. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I've been on the UFC's ass for a while. How shitty they pay their fucking fighters, and so yeah. I do like when the UFC gets put on a back leg. But Conor McGregor, you're not one of those fighters. <laughs> Sorry, it, it's hard to feel bad for you. And I know the fucking UFC is making way more money off him than he's making from the UFC, but that's kind of how it goes. Okay, yeah, I, had, that, that's I had one job where speech. I was making $80,000 a year, and the account I had got for them and kept for them was making $2.6 million. Okay, that's, that's a huge difference. Kind of the same of him making fucking, you know, what, what's he getting for a purse nowadays? Uh, they say his purse starts at around 
10 million, 20 million. But when it when you add all the contracts and perks and yada yada, it aggregates to about 40 million total. He comes uh, walks away from an average fight with once everything is said and done. So I think the big thing with this fight is the rumor is he walked up and basically said 40 up front, including all those perks and stuff I had already because you guys make way more money from me. So and that's when no one knows for sure what's going on because Dana White is not basically is not saying that he asked for more money. What he's saying, he's just saying like, hey, we told Dan, we told Connor he had to do the presser and he's not – he said he can't do the presser because he has to keep training in Iceland. And we're like, nobody can avoid that. The last time they did that is hilariously – I don't remember if it's Nick or Nate Diaz. <laughs> it would be ironic if it's Nate Diaz. But the last time they did that was – I'm pretty certain it's Nate Diaz. The last time they did that it was Diaz who didn't want to go on a presser and they pulled him off the card. And I believe his thing was even a title fight. So they they they've had this is one of the few things they've been pretty consistent about. Like they can alter pressers and adjust pressers, but you have to do the media tour. You have to do it. Every fighter has to be part of it. So the 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 thing that keeps coming up on the underground is that Conor McGregor requested money and basically said, if you don't give it to me, I'm not gonna show up to the presser. And Dana White responded, dude. We can discuss this later, but you have to show up to the presser. So Connor is saying that he wants his tour scheduled. His official statement says he just wants his tour scheduled, altered a little bit, but that's a little ridiculous. He's had a big break and has been training in Iceland. That's about as isolated as you can get from the modern world for a while. And all of a sudden, he can't just show up to sit down for a little while, talk, and then go back to Iceland to train again. I don't know. On this one, I'm going with the rumor. Yeah. He wants more money. Uh, and I don't blame him for negotiating, but if you're going to pull a st- – that's a completely unprofessional and childish stunt to pull coming on. I'm retired. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not happy, so I'm retired. It's like, okay, dude. I mean that that's how you really think it's an acceptable way to negotiate your pay? You know, and, yeah. and there is a point to it going, uh, you know, I, I need to show that I'm serious about this. But – that's a really fucking ridiculous way to do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, but, but there's, there is also kind of a flip side to consider, which we touched on a little bit earlier, and that's fighter pay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of put it into, you know, how they take care of the fighters in general. And yes, the UFC has been called about this several times. It's a little ridiculous that McGregor, at this point, is making more money in his career than Anderson Silva. I mean, granted, it makes sense considering the draw McGregor is if he's getting like pay-per-view points and something like that. But as in cash, you know, when he jumps into the company, that's a little over the top. It, Anderson Silva should be making just as much money. He's been in the game forever and has provided the UFC tons of money and stuff like that. So the pay structure in the UFC has always been a little strange, much like the 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 – the the structure of who gets a title shot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna address this whole thing kind of two prong. I'm gonna start with the fighter pay. The positive with what McGregor has done is in his time, he's one of the few people that has been very comfortable saying how much he makes. Now usually he's using it as a point to show how badass and awesome and how awful everybody is. 
as opposed to him. Granted, he's using it more like a stick than a carrot, but you know, he's been awesome about putting that out there, which has made other fighters really cautious and curious about how much they make now in a fight. You know, not the beginning fighters. The beginning fighters are just happy they're in the UFC, happy they're making an income with their dreams, yada, yada, yada. But the middle range fighters are starting to get a little more aggressive about better pay and stuff like that. And that puts the fire on the UFC's feet, which is great. Because uh, the last person who tried to mobilize the UFC to do this was Vanderlei Silva, except Vanderlei Silva is a terrible human being to mobilize behind because he's just he's just a lunatic who's had his head punched in too often. He was he was not the guy Since to do it. So I, think. <laughs> I would be surprised, guy. man, that melon. He looks like he can easily, easily annoy people. But. I think it's good that he stirred the pot. I don't think he did it. Obviously, he didn't do it intentionally, but I, I'm glad he stirred up the pot because that makes middle-range fighters that have been in the company for a while and have actually earned more pay have a chance to. And in the old days, fighters could offset that money with like endorsements and stuff. But with the with the Reebok deal, that was one of the reasons a lot of the bigger-name fighters got mad about the Reebok deal because they walked away from a ton of money because basically the deal was when you're in the cage, you can represent whoever you want when you're out of the cage. But when you're on the presser and in the cage, you only represent UFC sponsors. And that was the biggest stage for publicity that these fighters had for other sponsors, you know? So they could get a really good deal from a different company to publicize their items on the biggest stage ever. UFC literally took that away from that and never gave them an option. Yeah, that's terrible. Because, I mean, you figure, you know, the UFC, if you want to have your fucking sponsors' logos, you're wrapping this shit around the fucking octagon like 18 times, printed on the fucking floor, why do you need to put on these dinky-ass shorts these guys wear, too? Let them have their own fucking sponsor. Because not only is that uh, giving these fighters more freedom, but it's also increasing their fucking pay and their worth without even coming out of your pocket. Yeah, you know, This is some other company fucking pumping money into your fighters, making them worth more, making them fight harder, making them fucking you know, uh, wealthy and being able to fucking do this 100% of the time. You know, I don't have to be a fighter this, you know, this time and then go be a fucking plumber. The rest actually play my fucking bills. No, 100 percent fighting 100 percent of the time. That's that brings up the sport a whole bunch, you know. So, yeah, that is terrible. And people even brought up earlier on, they didn't understand why Reebok specifically took away all their sponsorship because they were like, you could make all our gear Reebok and make us uphold the UFC sponsors and still allow us to have like a patch or two on our shorts or on our shirts to have our own personal sponsors. Uh, Sports teams, like soccer sports teams, do this all the time, where their jersey is from Fila or Nike or whatever, but on the front, they'll have a company that they sponsor, which has, you know, I mean, it has to have a deal with the tournament and all that, but they have a company they'll sponsor on the front and usually something on the shoulder or even on the back. Just little sponsors, nothing too crazy, you know? But so, but Reebok just took that all out. So nobody made any sense of that. So I'm glad this whole ruffle up is going on with McGregor because I think a big side effect of it will be the fighters kind of get a little more aggressive about getting paid better. And that's unionized a terrible word because that is not what I want for the fighters. <laughs> but they they get to they get more power in numbers 
by by kind of coming together on this whole issue. And hopefully they will. Hopefully they will. Now, the other side of this whole thing is uh, the thing you brought up about the power structure as far as how do you get a title shot. This has been a thorn in the UFC side for decades. Decades. The UFC is notorious for having to balance that line between entertainment and sport and leaning a little too heavily on the entertainment side of things by making these freak fights like big WWE star Brock Lesnar joins UFC and fights for title. You know, you know, you're going to get views because now you're getting crossover audiences from the WWE an established organization that has fan bases that have been there for years. And, you know, these fan bases will trek around to see the product you can now bring them to yours and just go, hey, guys, we're not that different. We're just more realistic, yada, 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 right? And a lot of people give Dana White grief, but we also need to understand this is also entertainment. This The company has an obligation to entertain. If you want to see a proper technical match, go to a jujitsu tournament or go to like, you know, a kickboxing tournament and watch those things or watch a boxing tournament. You'll notice something that's really weird about all those things is it's easy to get bored. Even in the big fight, it's easy to get bored. Unless you're invested in the specific sport, it's easy to get bored. One of the things the UFC is brilliant at doing, it's brilliant at pairing fighters in a way that makes their styles Really contrasting. Whereas in a jiu-jitsu tournament, everybody's a great jiu-jitsu fighter. Or in a boxing tournament, everybody's a great boxer. Or in a kickboxing, you understand the point. They're they're all amazing at what they do. In the UFC, you can have, hey, let's have this guy who's terrible on his feet, but an amazing grappler fight this guy who's terrible at grappling, but an amazing fighter. Let's see what happens. That's, that's, that, I mean, they unofficially call it the oh shit effect. Because, you know, you always see something that will catch you off guard. You know, you can only hypothesize so much. But the core reason this whole thing was organized was some guy somewhere with a lot of cocaine and a lot of disposable income with a lot of friends who also have disposable income went, hey, I'm really curious. Who is the best martial art? Like, what, what is the best martial art? What's, what's the one that works the most? The original, like, five UFCs were just that at its core. It was, we just got this guy who's a wrestler. We just got this guy who's a Taekwondo guy. Go. We get this guy as a sumo and wrestler. Was, and let's watch yep. fucking Royce Gracie kick all our asses. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Royce Gracie was part of the beginning of the oh shit factor. He was an anomaly. Because until then, the recipe was really simple. And honest to God, it, it wasn't complex. It was just, if you're a kickboxer, you had a good chance of beating someone's ass. And if you were a wrestler, you usually outsized the person was because they didn't have weight classes back then. It was literally like your martial arts versus the other martial arts. If it's as good as you say it is, you'll be fine. And so you had these 230, 240 pounds, six foot seven wrestlers all roided up just in there demolishing like tiny taekwondo fighters and all of that. Right. So it was looking pretty one sided for a long time. And then, oh, my God, here comes this guy, five, seven, not a big dude, kind of tiny, wearing this weird kimono like he's 
Ken from Street Fighter and then showing up. And the reason it was amazing at the time is we already knew how this goes. The wrestler takes you down and just pummels you to dust. Or the kickboxer just kicks you to death. Never punched. Just kicked the hell out of you. And when you got close, they would strike a little. As long as they didn't go immediately to the ground, they were fine. And this guy showed up and they would be like, oh my God, the wrestler took him down. Fight's over. Fight's over. Wrestler's going to wait. The wrestler quits. Wait, what happened? And nobody knew what was going on. Everybody was like, what the? Why did he quit? He was on top of him. He was punching him in the face. Next thing you know, he quit. So jiu-jitsu starts sneaking in and everybody gets all these things. And now we have mixed martial arts, which is supposed to be what what we thought. Um, what's that martial arts that the Israeli army oh, uh, uses? Krav Maga. Um, Krav Maga. Mixed martial arts is supposed to be the most regulated iteration of Krav Maga. Because Krav Maga at its core, which is what the special forces over there in Israel are, are supposed to use, is a combination of the best of every martial arts. So was McMap, the military program. But Krav Maga is a lot more in-depth. In-depth? In in-depth. Teach. Yeah, in-depth. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I said that wrong. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's something else. Uh, so... What the UFC has to do, though, is they have to. By the way, that the thing of yours just freaked me out in the background. <laughs> it's crawling on the oh, the, the cushion. <laughs> like I'm talking to you, and all of a sudden, I just I just see this assassin climbing up, looking at your neck real suspiciously. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's in defense of the UFC. They have a show to put on. For example, a little while ago, I got my feelings really hurt because the next person in line to fight Ronda Rousey was Misha Tate. And I'm a huge fan of Misha Tate. I really think she's a better fighter than Ronda. But they canceled that fight so Ronda would fight Holly Holmes, who still had about a fight or two to get to Ronda. But it was the right call because Misha had fought Ronda twice. So they had a hard time selling to... and. And it wasn't like she fought Ronda twice and they'd had a close fight. She'd fought Ronda twice and had been defeated by the same move pretty definitively. So it was a hard sell for the UFC to go, yeah, she beat her the first and second time with this exact same move. But, guys, this time Misha is ready. She's not going to get caught up in that move again. It was, it was not enough of a gamble because if, if she beat her again like that, fans would start to lose faith in Misha's talent. And Misha's an amazing fighter. The only losses she's had is Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Ronda so Rousey when she was they always beating have, every goddamn buddy. Yep. They they have this this fine line they have to walk of like, we have to put a show we can sell. We have to put a show we can sell. This is about as pure as the art can get. And when it when all of this comes together, we have the purity of the art and a great fight. Example, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. That story is the most Hollywood build-up cinematic action flick you can have about, you know, a fight sport. You know, guy comes in, Olympic wrestler, amazing fighter, just good guy at heart, fights his way through everybody in the UFC, ends up undefeated, meets John Jones, this arrogant badass who is gonna go down as one of the greatest fighters in history in that sport and these guys go head to head and this guy the good guy keeps saying this guy is a terrible guy behind the scenes this guy's a terrible guy they meet up the first time dude beats him 
not destroys him, but beats him, walks away, and then gets in trouble for exactly what that guy said. Like, he was in the back doing some shady stuff, so he loses his title, and that guy, the wrestler, the Olympic wrestler, gets another chance at the title, gets the gold, and now is the champion. But lo and behold, this guy that got his title stripped comes back, and he wants his title back. That worked out beautifully. That markets itself. We just have to tell you the story, and you're going to come watch it. They're both amazing fighters, both legendary, both insane skills, and there's a compelling story for why these two should fuck each other up. For those that love you Hollywood type shit. You know you're going to get your money's worth out of that fucking pay-per-view. Yeah. Even, even if it ends up being a one-round fight, you're getting your money's worth just on the emotional high you're going to be on by the time you leave there. Because they they would have tell you, they would have drilled this story into your head throughout the whole show. And when they finally come to the cage, you're going to feel the electricity in the air. If you're in a bar, you're going to feel the electricity in the bar. And you're in your living room, you're going to feel the electricity in your dick. It's just going to be a great fucking moment. But that doesn't always happen. That's where you get the Brock Lesnar's. That's where you get the CM Punk is the latest edition, but he just keeps getting injured. You know, that's where you get these kind of freak fights where people just get jumped up. There's a counterbalance to it, too, that works out pretty well. Like in this in this John Jones thing we're just talking about, he was supposed to fight Cormier on Saturday and Cormier pulled out. Well, over Sam Purr, the number six fighter in that you know, division who probably would not have made it to a title shot. Honestly, was one of the first people to step up and go, I'm willing to fight. I'm willing to do this on short notice. That's the other counterbalance. You you kind of get to stir the pot when things like that happen. Now that's not intentional and that's not planned, but it's like, what I'm trying to say at the tail end of this, aside from the fact that in their defense, they have to make an entertaining thing is there are kind of built in checks and balances that almost make up for some of the awful other shit they do, you know, but not enough. They still need to work on, you know, obviously paying the fighters right and making the, the rank structure much more, much clearer. So a new fighter knows, Hey, I know I at least need to have this many fights down, and I know I'm yeah, in the title these are the shot range. Yeah, tiers I have to climb to get there. Yep, because right now there are fighters that come in and will put on amazing performances, but not devastating beat, uh, winnings or not really over-the-top wins. They'll just win consistently. And then... Oh, no, you know what? You're a great winner, but your fight style is a little boring. We're going to pick this guy who likes to jump off the fence and loses all the time. Like when Chael Sonnen got the fight with John Jones immediately after losing to Anderson Silva, that was bullshit. That was entirely entertainment. That was entirely based on the fact nobody thought Chael Sonnen was going to win that fight. Nobody thought Chael Sonnen had a right to that fight. That was based entirely on the notion we know Chael Sonnen can sell this fight for us. And he did. And he did. So you you can you can get mad at that structure. I wish what the UFC needs to do is to have a clearer rank structure. We all will inherently know if the freak fight comes along, the UFC will lean towards it. But at least give a rank structure so when it does come, that fighter who's climbing up the ranks trying to get there has a platform to say, this is why you should choose me. This is why and you can sell no this fight. there's no argument about it. You know, there's nobody who could sit there and say, yeah. oh, he didn't earn it. No, here it is. This is exactly yeah. what he did to earn it, you know? Exactly. But I think the UFC also knows if they were to actually do that, they'd paint themselves in a pretty nasty corner. 
you know, where they would have a chance at a big money freak fight, but they would have to concede that that fight is not earned. This other guy earned it first. <laughs> hey, man. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that, that's my issue. And as I said before, don't think I don't think that fucking Conor McGregor is a great fighter or worth every penny he gets. Totally do. You know, it, it, he's been amazing every time I've seen him in a fucking fight. You know, he deserved to be where the fuck he's at. It's just these excuses are ridiculous to me. You know, like his excuses right now, now that he's fucking backpedaling away from his requirement, remind me of, uh, what was that guy's name? Kane. You remember that guy? Uh, mm. Oh, oh, hot damn oh yeah, yeah, the comedian. Yeah. After when he first came out with his first excuses of why he was ripping off Patrice O'Neill, and then he came back all pissed off with his second row of excuses that invalidated his first ones. It's like this. Just, just say it. Just, hey, I'm my bad. You know, that's the fucking man yeah. thing to do. And you know what? I, if he had came out and said, I, I, I didn't realize I was ripping off. You know, I totally did hear this. I, I just fucking thought I was making them. It turns out I was, I was fucking taken from him, you know? Totally get it, you know? Another thing with Conor McGregor. You just come out a hey, fucking... I mean, you can't really come out and say, I was bluffing and I got called on my bluff. But don't give me a fucking bunch of bullshit fucking excuses after your bluff was called, okay? Just say, hey, you know what, guys? I'm not retiring. I was pissed off. I'm still willing to do this fight and I'll fucking <laughs> compromise where needed to make sure everybody's happy. Because in all honesty, I think the UFC did a wonderful job of standing their ground, yanking him from the fight, but being respectful for to him the entire time. They didn't come out and like insult him, you know, say he's act or rightfully say he's acting like a fucking idiot. No. You know, said, hey, you know, he wasn't willing to do this. It's required for him to do this. You know, this cost us this much money to put this together. We're not just going to lose out on it because a fighter wants to change his mind. He's being pulled from the UFC. You know, we really regret this, but he's being pulled from USC 200. <laughs> they never, you know, unless you saw something I did it, they were never insulting or demeaning or anything to him. You know, unlike when the shoe's on the other foot, you know? <laughs> so that, that's kind of my, as much as I fucking get pissed off at the UFC and Dana White, especially for some of the stunts they pulled, I think they handled this thing exactly how I would have. Hopefully, hopefully I wouldn't have been insulting to him, you know, but <laughs> I, I think I think everybody would agree with you. This this nobody is is even the consensus on, online and Twitter and all that. I mean, there there's still fans of McGregor that are saying, you know, he's doing what he has to do and all that. But the general consensus is, no, you you pull the power play and you and lost. I hope, I that's hope what, they that's stick all that to their guns and keep him out of USC 200 as much as I would love to see that fight. No, no. They've already announced that if Connor were to be reasonable and come back, oh, I, he's I mean, back on the card. I, I've read something different, but uh... yeah, no, no. Dana, Dana pretty much announced it. He he said on a on a talk show he was like, if if Connor became reasonable and came back, you know, he still got a place on the card. I don't know, like, sit on a card because ultimately, Dana White yeah. is about money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So so I got lined up here. 10, uh, 10 quotes, 10 awesome quotes from Conor McGregor. And this is brought to you by uh, the website Sports on Earth here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and give you the first one. Number 10, 
I remove a head. I bring it backstage. I place it on Mr. Fertitta and Mr. White's desk. Here you go, boss. Another one done. And then discuss big business. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine. I don't really care. The whole division can hate me. The whole roster can hate me. The whole America can hate me. I only need one American to love me. And that's Mr. Benjamin Franklin. As long as he loves me, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight. This is talking about a a fighter called Dustin Poirier. He had to fight. (laughs) He's a quiet little hillbilly from the back arse of nowhere. His cousin is probably named Cletus. (laughs) Number seven, this is when talking to the champion of the time, Jose Aldo, on live TV. I'm your father. I'm your daddy. Yeah. Call me Jose Sr. (laughs) Number six, these custom-made suits aren't cheap. This solid gold pocket watch, three people died making this watch. I need to put people away. I need those big fights or I'm going to end up in debt pretty fast. Number five, a gust of wind hits him and he does the chicken dance. Against me, I'm going to crack him with a jab and he's going to wobble and I'm going to put him away. It's going to be a first round KO, mark my words. That was about Dustin Poirier and quote number four says it all, which he said after he knocked Poirier out in one round. I don't just knock him down. I pick the round. I don't know, man. I mean, it, it's decent, but it's no Chell Sonnen, okay? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, it's no, it's I haven't no seen Sonnen. an it's, entire it's, nation want to kill him yet, so he's no Chell Sonnen. <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely, he's he's got a lot more of an entertainment value than uh, than like a than like a truly like dig deep and hurt a whole country kind of yeah. monologue. Chell Sonnen was Chell Sonnen was legitimately like you know white white. White cat on the lap type evil sometimes with his words. About a lot of Charles Sonnen's insults is instead of like Connor's insults, they're, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but they're not factual. You know, he never brought anybody's head anywhere. Fucking yeah. <laughs> Charles Sonnen's insults were factional. Like when he's talking about fucking Vanderlei Silva, like he bought a $200,000 car. He could have bought a fully loaded Lexus. Saved this amount of money and built two schools in Brazil. Tell me he gives a shit about Brazil. He doesn't care about Brazil. And that cut him so deep because it was true. Talking about like it was true. Like, hey, this guy, he pretends that he's Brazilian. He's not Brazilian. He owns a house in Hollywood. He's Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) He, I still think the greatest line. The greatest line from Chael Sutton has to be, when I grew up, when I was a little kid, I would yes. walk outside my house, inside the, what was it, where did he live? Uh, where did he live? I can't remember. I'm going to look up that quote uh, so we do. It was a something he, gangster. Too good to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great quote. I don't, it really shouldn't be mangled, but he has a, here's a quote that's going to oh come up. Hold God. on. Dude, that shit was beautiful. It, it it was a beautiful quote. Just and it, I mean, the debate people had for a long time is uh, that a lot of his stuff was off the cuff, but it turns out later on that he rehearsed a lot of this stuff. You know, don't get me wrong, a lot of it was off the cuff too. A lot of it was off the cuff too. He was just that good, but most of this stuff he he'd already like. For example, the car thing, he he discussed it prior. 
You know, this was something that already he had a he had a he didn't have the delivery quite formulated, but he had it in the back of his mind. So when the chance came up to bring it up, it was here we go right here. When I was, was a little a kid, I'd go outside with my friends and we'd talk about the latest technology of medicine, gaming, and American ingenuity. Anderson and the Brazilian kids are sitting outside playing in the mud. <laughs> God damn. Just, just, just a, just a brutal. Whether it's true or not, the point is clear, oh, and yeah. it's just and, brutal. And just in case brutal. people are wondering, now, what that fucking quote got him. <laughs> I was just, I was just about to say, don't, don't look let our thorough entertainment. Oh, fuck. he knew. He didn't even try uh, to stand up. He's like, I'm, I'm uh, dead. This is it. Let me just, please don't hurt me. Oh my god. <laughs> The, the, the face, the face, that face was a meme for so long because the face oh. he has when he hits the ground is truly the face oh. of someone who realizes he has Jesus. made a terrible mistake in life. So just so you guys know, we are huge fans of Chael Sonnen, but he absolutely got his comeuppance. Absolutely. Like every, not just once or twice. Every time his trash talk got a little too ridiculous, he was destroyed by the person twice by anderson silva oh, yeah. once by john jones each time his trash talk was on par but he just it got reminds mangled me of, uh, what's that guy's uh, his nickname was the count bisping yeah oh, the count when bisping, he Michael finally the count. fought dan henderson after talking all that shit during uh what was the show american fighter or something like that and fucking dan henderson mm-hmm. beat him on knocked him unconscious and they did the flying Superman punch <laughs> right into his fucking oh, face. Yeah. Oh my god, that was beautiful. Yeah. Oh I think the classic flying H bomb. <laughs> One of the running jokes on a. Uh, on like MMA sites about Dan Henderson is because Dan Henderson is arguably one of the oldest guys on the roster and his, his move, which is still a really like, he's one of the oldest guys, but he still absolutely carries tremendous amounts of knockout power. So one of the jokes, everybody goes is you guys want to mess with Dan Henderson? Shuffle, shuffle, yep. H bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys just shuffle across the ring. Wait for his moment. And okay. Here, here's Sean you. baby. Okay. Nail Sean you. baby. I, he has his own website. I'm pretty sure it's just Sean I suggest checking out his shit. Cause it's beautiful, but here's his quote on that. Okay. After knocking, cause he has a beautiful quote before where the knockout punch hits. Henderson wasn't done dominating this thing with and gravity though. After the man-shaped sack of bangers and bash landed, Dan flew into the air and came down on Bisping's head with Fistos, the forbidden punch of legend. Anderson went fully horizontal and both feet in the air like some sort of maniac skydiver. If you were the greatest warrior that ever lived, came across a sleeping enemy, and had six hours to plan one ultimate punch, this is the punch you would throw. <laughs> I'm telling you, check out Sean. I'm going to post a link to this one. Check out Sean Baby shit. It's beautiful. It's it's actually pretty freaking epic. And completely accurate. Oh, my God. He was such a bad punch. I think he had to apologize afterwards, didn't he? 
Yeah, he did. He did. He actually got penalized. I don't remember what, but they, he got he got some kind of punitive thing laid on him. But it was just the the issue with that punch wasn't just that it looked beautiful. It landed perfectly. It landed. It landed as flush as you would imagine that punch would land. This is a guy who jumped in the air, went vertical, put his front arm all the way back, and came down on his opponent with that fist first on the jaw. The first point of contact between him on the ground was his fist to that dude's jaw from that jump. (laughs) That jump. It was. And I've seen that. that It's kind of funny because he got uh, penalized for it. I can't remember what they did. But I've seen fighters, you know, dudes obviously knocked out and they throw a couple other blows in. And they don't really get penalized, you know. Usually it's like, man, I was in the heat of the moment. I didn't know he was unconscious, you know. I just kept raining down until I was pulled off. No, they said they fucking penalized him for that blow. You know, even though it came like a quarter of a second after the dude was knocked out. No, no, no. If you're going straight vertical Superman diving on someone's <laughs> face, you knew they were knocked out, buddy. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was quite epic. But, but the point we're making here is, uh. Conor McGregor is definitely he's 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 playing a very interesting gamble. I hate I hope it pays off the way he hopes he he plans on it. As you said, I don't think he said a lot of silly things and he's done a lot of silly things, but he doesn't seem like a fool when it comes to this. He's risen this far and and done pretty good. I've seen him, for example, on ESPN and they've tried to well, not ESPN. It was a MSNBC and they tried to kind of get a monetary answer out of him. Like, how much do you make? And he was pretty adept at dodging that question. You know, things like, you know more than I can count, uh, you know, just cheesy lines, but never directly answered the question. So here's a guy who's smart enough to know when, when to say things and when not to, you know, he's smart enough to play the game when the game needs to be played. So if he's doing this, I hope for his sake that this is just another version of him playing the game. And I hope it's not literally the cocaine getting to him and him thinking he's bigger than the organization he's in because he's Woefully misinformed if that's the case. UFC does owe him a lot. He he has done wonderful things for the UFC, but he can't forget without the fucking groundwork the UFC has spent fucking years, decades putting together, he he would just be a fighter fighting for fucking purses. That's that's it. You know, no no big purses, no multi-million dollar purses. You know, I mean, think about what was the biggest fucking purse for a mixed martial artist, even if they were incredible before the UFC. It it probably numbered in the thousands, you know? It was it was it was it was it was it actually numbered in the thousands. Yeah. I think Pride fights up in K one I think the most I've ever seen for one of those pride fight tournaments was like $50,000. And that's when they were fighting three legendary fighters in one night because they'd have the the pride and the K1 tournaments, which were literally like, you know, um, X amount of fighters meet and you have a minimum of three fights in one night. So you fight a guy, go back, recover for like an hour or so or, or for like 30 minutes, fight another guy, go back, recover for 30 minutes, and then you're fighting for the championship. These are the Vandalay Silva days. You know, these are why all these old fighters are so prone to knockouts right now because they have to go through that freaking school of training. You know, Son is saying that he doesn't think uh, Daniel's going to put him back in. I did read that quote where you said, you know, Dana White said something along the lines of, you know, if he calls, you know, soon, like right away, 
and wants to do it, you know, wants to fucking do the promotions, all that, we'll, we'll get him in. Uh, you know, Sonnen's saying he doesn't, he's like, uh, what do you say? I've known Dana since 2005. He's not putting a patch in this boat. Connor could call him right now. He's not patching up UFC 200. Well, here's, here's why I think Chell is wrong. I think most other fighters, yes. I think Dana used this as an example and lays the hammer down. This is Conor McGregor. This is big money. And Conor McGregor being out of the fight is a big loss of money. Don't get me wrong. The UFC is going to make a ridiculous profit either way because there's a pretty good card. There are a bunch of other fighters on there that people are going to want to see. We're talking aside from UFC fans. There are enough other fighters on there. I think – doesn't Ronda fight that, uh, that card? I don't know. There, it's a – hold on. I'll look it up, but there, there is a pretty decent card lined up behind it. So people are going to want to see this fight anyways. But with Connor in it, it would be better. Yeah, see, Jose Aldo versus Edgar for the interim title. Misha Tate versus Nunez because Ronda Rousey's out. Cain Velasquez versus Brown. Hendricks, yeah, no. This card is still stacked from top to bottom with fan favorite fighters. So it's going to make money. It's going to make a profit, but it's not going to make Conor McGregor money. Or, or in the words of, a, of Tommy Toho, the comedian, it's not going to make goofy yeah. shirt money. <laughs> <laughs> just, just goofy. Well, he had a line in his jokes where he's making fun of Conor McGregor. He's like, uh, and it was supposed to be when the Conor McGregor was going to fight the Diaz. And, uh, he goes, uh, what's the deal with you, Diaz? And, and and mocking Diaz, he goes, man, I'm trying to drive cars I can't pronounce. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm in, it, I'm in it to make that goofy shirt money. I'm trying to drive cars I can't pronounce. And what are you going to do with all your winnings, Diaz? <laughs> Probably smoke a bunch of weed. That's something that honestly I like. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll post some of the Tommy Toehold stuff there for guys to check out. It's It's pretty hilarious. But... I mean that's that's pretty much it for me on this man. It's 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 an interest. It's a very it's a crucial moment in UFC history. It's definitely one of those those precedent moments where this this regardless of what happens, this will alter how how fighters approach the UFC or how the UFC approaches fighters for the future. Because this is the first time a star of this caliber has legitimately tried to hijack a show. Because that's literally no matter what Connor says in the future. To defend himself, what he tried to do is he tried to hijack this event, period, period. He came to the owner of the company and said, if I don't get these concessions, I won't show up. That's a hijack. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what I think. I think he was thinking short game and the UFC had to think long game. You know, in short game. And if this was going to be the only fight, the last fight UFC ever had. Man, they better bend over fucking backwards and do what he says. You know what I mean? But if they want to be an organization for the next 20, 20, uh, 10, 20, fucking 50 years, they, they had to hold their ground there. And I think that's the, the difference in vision those two had right there. You know? Yeah. But how, how Connor, I mean, how Connor could make such an overstep? Because up until this point, he's been pretty amazing. Up until the loss, Connor McGregor was pretty good at calling it. Not just calling when he was going to win, but calling how he was going to promote it and calling how the event was going to turn out and, and kind of approaching how he's going to make money off this. He had been pretty 
on point with all of it. So this is, I mean, we're just a couple of guys on a couch who kind of watch this stuff occasionally. And even we can tell the huge error of judgment he's made. So the question for me, the real in-depth question for me is, was this an error in the numbers department? Did he sit with his guys and then realize, well, you know, I have a chance at really going for gold here. Or has his arrogance just gotten that big? And that's not outlandish to imagine Conor might have gotten I too wonder, arrogant. I mean, a lot of fighters, I mean, look at, look at Ronda after her fucking first loss. She lost her goddamn mind, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think yeah. it, it kind yeah. of goes to build up, especially when it's mostly based in fact. She had every reason to believe she was the fucking premier female fighter, if not any fighter in her weight class in in fucking of the of the fucking uh current generation. Okay. Yeah, she yeah. wasn't still but in when that hit came but... in, what, I mean, she she disappeared. Supposedly yeah. she contemplated suicide. And we've talked about this before. I felt no pity for her then. I felt empathy, but I felt no pity because that's the downside of running around saying you're the best in the world. When you when you yeah. get when you get to be like when Connor lost, one of the things I really appreciated about Connor when he lost is Connor never ever kept up the trash talk. Yeah. Connor said, I lost. I wasn't prepared. He was, you know, I didn't realize how much this would take out of me at this way. Yeah. He gave Depending on whether you love Connor or hate him, he gave a bunch of, you know, reasons or excuses for his loss. But he never said, well, if, you know, I didn't earn this loss. You can't come out and say, I yeah, I loss. suck. Sorry, guys, I lost. That, that's not – UFC doesn't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> and that's not good for his career. You yeah. got to think of his career in the first place, you know what I'm saying? But uh, at the end, he, he did handle that freaking maturely. But I don't – I mean, that, that might have just been – you know, I kind of lost here. I'm going to push my weight over here to prove I still have the strength, even though I took that loss. And I don't think he ever had that strength. I think he kind of over fucking called it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He got, you get, you get too much, you know, too many pats on the back, too much big paydays. You start to with think Rhonda, maybe, maybe I I'm the show. I didn't have an issue with Rhonda saying she was the best in the world. The thing that started irritating me is the bullshit with her and her fucking opponents. Like, who is the one that she was trying to build this whole little fucking story about she was insulting my stepdad who committed suicide or something like that? That, because somebody said that, I'm like, oh, you know, at first I just believed it. Like, okay, you know, I, I could see that happening. You know, I've seen dickhead fucking fighters before probably trying to get into her head. I read the quote she was trying to twist into that. Bullshit. Okay, this lady doesn't have the English speaking skills to do this fucking play that you're thinking, woman. Like, you're just trying to make this to a personal... And I think it's because the other one was kind of personal, too, and people fucking really flared up on it. She tried to do it again here. And what I hate, what I fucking hate with a passion, I don't mind the trash talk, I don't mind the fucking bullshit back and forth, but when you're at a weigh-in and you try and throw hands, that's fucking embarrassing. You're saying you can't even be – you're not that confident in yourself that you can wait for the fight. Are you kidding me? You know, the same thing fucking uh, Connor did too, you know, which 
Which with you're gonna, Connor, you're gonna meet this Connor, guy. You're gonna was, meet this guy. That was definitely more both sided than Calculated. Rhonda. When Rhonda did it, she threw her face. You know, attempting to hit this woman, headbutt her. That woman reared up, and then she acted like this woman was trying to attack her. Now, you know, later on, she's talking about it. Yeah, she tried to. Fu- no, bitch, you did it. We watched you. Millions of people watched you. <laughs> don't act like we don't know what's going on here. Don't act like you're some incredible fighter. We didn't understand what happened. Okay, I know she's fucking, uh, what's that called? Uh, fucking thrusting at somebody whenever I fucking see it. I don't have to be a professional fighter to understand what you just did there. Don't embarrass yourself. And I bet you if she was acting more, because when she first started, she was relatively humble. Very confident in her abilities, which she should be. She had incredible fucking abilities. But she wasn't being a fucking asshole to her fucking opponents. She wasn't trying to beat up people at the weigh-in. That when that changed, and I think if she kept that same attitude throughout her career, when she finally took that loss, she would have handled it way better. But now not only did you lose, but you look like a fucking retard for what you did beforehand. You know? So whatever. Fuck that. We're done with that goddamn story. <laughs> yeah, no, we're pretty much we're pretty much done with that topic. I mean, I have I have another topic, but it'll it'll take a while to get through, so I, I'll just save it for later. So it's up to you. Do you have anything else, or we can wrap it up right here, man? This shit, right yeah, here. Sure. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Fucking hardcover too, for oh, you pussies. With your goddamn fucking soft covers. Okay, <laughs> so check out that name right there. Is it in reverse? Uh, no, 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 no. Maximilian Uriart. Okay, so yeah, I forgot. That, yeah, that's yeah, his that, non-plume, correct. It's in reverse on my fucking computer. But uh, he, he's a, a, a great... He does the Terminal Lance fucking dot com. I suggest anybody thinking about freaking joining the uh, Marine Corps, read this goddamn book. <laughs> and if you get through it and still want to... And it's got pictures, people. That's a fucking comic book. Don't think you're going to have to read a real book, okay? Because I know most of you thinking about joining the Marine Corps. It's too stupid to read a fucking real book. So go through this book, finish it. If you still want to join, you got my blessing, okay? <laughs> That's actually a really good way oh, to freaking yeah, assess whether you want to join the Marine Corps or not. About, I haven't got through it all the way. I think about a quarter way through it. So much of the bullshit this guy goes through is stuff we can relate to so hard. <laughs> It's yeah. just, it's just real. Go it's just real. It is, I mean, just so like, and I was catching it like right off the top of that. I'm like, I know where this is going because I've had to suffer. I've had to suffer how he's about to. So <laughs> check that book out. It's, uh, the White Donkey, Terminal Lance by this guy with this crazy fucking name. I'm even gonna try that shit. Maximilian, some shit. Check that shit out. It's beautiful. Support one of my fucking homies. That's all I got. All right, and and my parting shot is real simple. Um, If you're not playing Prince on a repeat for at least a weekend, you're a fuckface. That's all I got to say, man. Your ass better be on Prince so hard this weekend. Just celebrate the guy, man. That fucking icon. Even even if you don't know who he is, even if you're, you know, because he was he was the tail end of my generation. You know, and we we still understood what a major thing he is. He's I don't know in if in this modern age of over information we're ever gonna have icons. 
and when I say icon, guys, I'm talking like Etta James icons. I'm talking like Michael Jackson icons. I'm talking like Bob Dylan icons. I'm talking like Prince icons. I don't know if we're ever going to get that again. People that show up and just upset the apple cart so hard that they're just, they can do no wrong for a span of like 10 years. I've heard people try to float Drake's name in there because he's very talented. And Drake is plenty talented. But here's the thing about Drake. Drake did not upset the apple cart. Drake didn't really change anything. He just came and took a medium that was already popular and made it more popular. He put his own spin on, of, of things on there, but he didn't really change the game. He didn't make wordplay more amazing. He didn't, you know, make singing more amazing. He made it more comfortable to sing and rap in hip hop and still be considered hardcore. But Pac had already, had, Tupac had already done that. Another icon, might I add. So, so really, if you guys want to know what all the fuss is about and all that, you need to listen to the Purple Haze album and just just look at this guy the same way David Bowie was doing androgynous stuff and making everybody comfortable with, you know, a man doesn't always have to be a steel-toed, boot-wearing, construction worker, mustache-having Burt Reynolds. You know, a man can also be an effeminate human in a leotard that calls himself a freaking alien and has a lightning bolt on his face or a man dressed from head to toe in, in purple with jerry curls with <laughs> and blouses, you know, with, with a squad literally called, what was it called? The revolutions walking around with a squad called the revolutions with nothing but men that look like women and women that look like men and proud of it. And the st- still the coolest guys that, in any room. But fuck the baddest women that existed. <laughs> the fattest, I mean, every woman you freaking jacked off to as baddest. a teenager, Prince fucker. Okay? I mean, that's originally, when I heard they found a dead body at his house, I figured he just fucked another girl to death and they didn't hide the body well enough this time. You know? <laughs> to which I was going to support, you know, send money to his legal fund. Because if you're Prince... You should be allowed to do that. There's a there's a great line by Jamie Foxx in one of his old stand-ups where he's like, you know, I met Prince. You know, he, he in the story, he's somewhere and he meets Prince and Prince comes out in a full body onesie zipped up in the back that had roller skates built into the feet (laughs) and and he's just roller skating out and he's so in awe with prince he doesn't even know what to say so prince goes by and him and the bodyguard standing there and the bodyguard goes you okay man and he just nods he goes you see prince he just nods and he goes did did you did you look in his eyes and Jamie Foxx just looks at the bodyguard because Jamie Foxx was saying earlier in the stand-up, Prince is such a beautiful man. If you see him up close and in person, you can't help but question your sexuality if you're a man. <laughs> so he turns to the bodyguard and asks the bodyguard, you looked into his eyes. How did you cope with it? And the bodyguard goes, man, man I've been fucking him ever since. Prince <laughs> had the most secure masculinity out of anyone ever to step foot on this earth. He could outdress your girlfriend and smash her as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know what? That's about, that's the most concise way to put down that guy's yeah. just uh, sex appeal Jesus. and charm. 
truly, 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 we're 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 losing because of the internet and 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 kind of social media and all that. We're losing icons that can do no wrong because you can trace anybody's history. You know, if you don't believe me, Google Tom Hardy youth uh, embarrassing pictures. I promise you, you will never look at Tom Hardy the same again. And he's an amazing, handsome actor. You'll think he's an ugly hillbilly all of a sudden. Yeah, it's 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 pretty terrible. But anyway, in a generation in 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 a in an era where we can live and we can see everybody's past, right? He still lived in that era when your past could disappear and you could just be myth. Start yeah. to finish just myth. Like any story you ever hear about Prince. No. Did you did you see no, the pictures of Tom Hardy? Totally yeah. No. yeah. No. Look at this one. Somebody says <laughs> Prince isn't gone. Oh crap. Look at this. Oh, oh yeah, Rihanna God. with the mustache. <laughs> and actually, it's pretty close. That's it's actually terrible. pretty close. Terrible. <laughs> I'm, sad. I'm sad it's pretty close. But that's a testament to how good-looking Prince was. Yep. She kind of looks like him in there. <laughs> yep. And Rihanna is a fine, fine piece yeah, of meat. Damn. But anyway... He's he's the last of the icons. Kids, if you've never heard him, take time. Go through the Purple Haze album or a Best Of album. You might not like all the songs, but I promise you, I promise you, you'll learn something. You'll learn something. Yeah, something's wrong with you. Listen to the lyrics. You know, feel the music. Find your Apollonia. Jesus. Live long. All right, we'll see you guys next week. All right, take care. <laughs>